I remember first, this was, oh God, I want to say more than 15 years ago when Haggard first came on my radar. And it's been that long. Probably longer than that. Wow. So my friend who we all just called Colby by his last name had an older brother, right? Mm -hmm. And his older brother had his room in the basement where he had all the cool shit, right? Yeah. He had TV down there with the N64, and he had all his cool VHSs. He had, you know, Pam and Tommy laying around somewhere always. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, he was the cool older brother. Was there a snake involved at any point? No, no snake, but he was, like, you know, cool skate guy. You know, uh-huh. he had a guitar, and he was, like, really into playing and skating, and, like, he was very much, you know, a CKY boy. Like, he was right. a product of, of CKY. Yeah. And I remember seeing, you know, I was familiar with Jackass at this point. And I remember seeing a VHS copy of Haggard on top of the TV at one point and mm-hmm. looking at it and being like, what is this? Yeah. And a few, you know, every couple of years, it'll pop in my head being like, what is that? Should I watch it? And for some reason, you know, last month I was like, let's, let's pop this on. Right. Right. So I went to my favorite streaming site, Pirate Bay. And it was, you know, I was kind of just wanting to like turn off and watch some lowbrow shit, but I think it's fantastic. You but have really engaged with this film. <laughs> I've watched it like four or five times. Uh-huh. I watched making of documentary, but um, anyway, so there, there's a story that I meant to tell you. Uh, oh, let's go. So there were the skate shop in my hometown was called D Skate, right? D S K eight. D oh D skate right. right? I see. I don't know what the D is or or what, but mm. uh, you know, any any guess I have would be crude. So, but I don't think it's that. It's just yeah, D skate, and it was co-owned. And sorry, it was owned by the guy who also owned Discontent, which is like a place where you can find a cheap camping tent. No, <laughs> at a discount, perhaps. No, it was like a. It wasn't quite a head shop. It was like a head shop, but imagine that you couldn't buy like any paraphernalia. So they had like Grateful Dead and Avenged Sevenfold T-shirts, but you couldn't get a hookah. Huh? It was just like here's alternative stuff. Which in my hometown, that was the you only took place what you could get. You could get that right. Yeah. So this guy, uh, Tom Tepley, he owned those two places, and that was like where the cool skate kids got to hang out. Anyways, Tom had a, a kid. Um, yeah. Fuck it. We, we got in the habit of saying full names. Jordan Tepley. <laughs> the, ch- the kid's name is Jordan Tepley. I'm about to give a Find embarrassing story on, about on Instagram, maybe. <laughs> Jordan Tepley. Anyways, he was like a cool skate guy at school, right? You know? Yeah. And he... I remember thinking he was like really awesome when I was in high school, you know, suddenly we were in the same school. Same age as you? No, he was one year older. Okay. Right. But something happened where he kind of just fell off the map and like became more reclusive and was just like sketching a lot. Right. Well, what happened, I found out, you know, I was working at that news station later. We did a story on old Tom Tepley who owned D skate and discontent. (laughs) He got cancer. Oh, and while he had cancer, he was battling 
the city who wanted to kick his smoke shop. Deescape became more of like, or discontent eventually became more of a smoke shop and they wanted mm-hmm. to like fucking get it out of town, right? Really? They, they were smelling, selling spice and, you know, kids were. Oh, sure. Ending up in the mental hospital after smoking <laughs> spice and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Oh, what a time that was. Yeah. Oh, Take me the back. The K2 era, top notch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> man, we'll have to find a way to talk about just. An episode of K two stories. Oh, I have. I got so much fucking <laughs> the plant food shit. Remember that? Uh, maybe we we'll come back to that. At we'll the get end. there. <laughs> but if, God forbid we need to pad out this episode. <laughs> we have some padding to lay. Right. Or hang. So, anyways, his dad gets cancer. The some people in the community are trying to get his business out of here while he has cancer. While he has cancer, it's so fucked up. And then I remember, I forget who eventually told me, but a mutual friend told me like what happened to Jordan, why he fell off the map was in addition to all this, his girlfriend at the time, apparently. So Jordan didn't drink. And that was another thing I thought was like very cool about him because I didn't drink in ninth grade either. Sure. And... You know, <laughs> at some point you gave up that. Gave you up decided right. that was not the cool yeah. thing to do. Yep. <laughs> and then went back on that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Jordan used to talk about how he would like show up to parties with Mountain Dew and stuff. You know, like he was he was charismatic enough to yeah. do that. Well, one time he Just showed up to a party smoking ad. Right. Well, one time he showed up to a party with his Mountain Dew and found his girlfriend blowing someone else. Oh no. So, <laughs> Probably a drinker, no less. Yeah, yeah. So dad gets cancer, dad losing business, girlfriend blowing someone else oh, at a party. And you That's know, what w- what's a guy do but fall into their drawings? Uh-huh. Yeah, so that was It's <laughs> funny because I would say what's a guy do? He drinks, but you know. <laughs> uh, colored pencils he, are cool too. He probably started drinking. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Um I don't know if I want to put this in the episode, but actually, as I was thinking about that story before we recorded, no. I had totally forgotten something I haven't thought about in a long time. I hooked up with his sister. Hey, we're hey. keeping that in. Are you yeah. kidding me? We don't talk about fucking enough on this show. Okay, we should. All right. She won your girlfriend in eighth grade. She loves this show, and all of a sudden, she's not going to. Okay. Well, right, we'll keep it in. We'll keep it in. But does he make up some story about how you walked in on this girl blowing some other guy? Me. Right. Me behind discount tent and the escalator, whatever the fuck. Discontent. Yeah. All right, let's get to the movie. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I wasn't, I wasn't pitching a discount tent that night. Hey, you know what I mean? Let's get to the fucking movie. Which drain of K2 makes my dick rock hard? All right, all right, let's go. I don't need it. So, I, I can't be certain about the timeline, but it does seem to match up that, so I think I mentioned last episode that Bam left middle of season three because he was just like, Fuck this censorship. Yeah. It was so tight making CKY videos. Right. Like he we could just because he know, was already sort of music independently and, infamous in his own way. Yeah. Probably like fairly wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like the timeline would probably line up to like when he left the show, they like immediately went to go make Haggard. Yeah. Right. So people who don't know, Haggard is a movie that Bam co-wrote and directed. And, was and ge- yeah, almost start co-starred in. 
Right. Co- sporting, co-star sporting, in. sporting lead. He's the supporting lead, but he definitely treats himself as the lead. He's the biggest <laughs> head on the, on the DVD cover. Yeah, he's the biggest head on the VHS cover that if you didn't read about it, you would get the sense that he is the lead of the movie. Yeah, I mean, granted, his head is mostly aviator sunglasses, <laughs> but still the effect is there. And there are creative choices in the movie that we'll get to that yeah. very much are the creative choices that you would make for the lead of your movie, not... The sidekick, right? <laughs> this is 2003, keep in mind. So yes. they'll reflect that. So 2003, he co-wrote this movie with Brandon DiCamillo, another CKY essential, and essentially made it with CKY crew, right? Yeah. Um, and a very, very small film crew. And he put up most of the money. Audio, the skate brand, apparently had an entertainment company at this point, and they put up some money. And that's why and every other guy in the movie is wearing an audio T-shirt. <laughs> yes, there is branding all over this movie, mm-hmm. uh, particularly Bam Margera's branding. And it's it's really something. Like it's yeah. it, it does. There's a lot of things. So you know, I love this movie. But there's there's a lot of things. We'll, we'll kind of go over the plot in a sec. But it is great little time capsule. Mm-hmm. It is. It does this really interesting thing where I think it operates on this sort of like these, these two different levels where one half of it, it's this very naturalistic approach where they are both acting and it is written as if it takes place before they were famous. Uh huh. And even the aesthetic approach is very like, you know, muted. And then there will be inside of that, these moments that are like very self-referential, you know, about themselves. And, you know, like, like Bam is skating in a half pipe in his basement and yeah. you can assume that that's his basement. And, you know, there's like music videos and interludes all throughout the movie of like Bam yeah. just skating, you know. Right. So it's 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 weird how it kind of oscillates between these these two levels. And so you kind of get this sense that there's this yearning for this like pre-fame nostalgia of, you know, just being kids in Westchester, but also like. Just the local really hero. flexing their, their fame also. Like right. The, the interludes are weird. Like there's a, the first one is just a hymn track and Bam is just like walking on the ledge of a building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, let's here's the brief overview of the plot. So it's based off of uh, Ryan Dunn's real life breakup with an ex-girlfriend who was just like the way he describes it. She was like very like way more abusive than she is depicted in the movie, you know, and in the movie, yeah. she's just depicted as like, you know, uh, a girlfriend who wants to like go play the field of dicks, as she said, as opposed <laughs> to like be in a relationship with him and he's hung right. up. But when he talks about it in the making of documentary, it sounds like she was just like sleeping around the Sucking entire time. They were the story, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And they were together for like two years. And um, that's like where the story came from. And like Bam had to like really dig it out of them to get them to do this project. So mm. anyways, the movie opens with uh Ryan Dunn, who's goes by Ryan in the movie as well, is like because <laughs> <laughs> well, they well, changed Bam's name. They Bam changed- is now Falcone. <laughs> no, 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 no. Or no, the other guy's Falcone. No, Brian D. Camillo's Falcone. Uh Bam is Vallow, which I thought was funny. And then I realized that Vallow is the last name of uh him. Bam? No, no, him, the the, the artist, him. Yeah, Bam. <laughs> no, no, him, the Bam. Bam him, Bam. <laughs> like, who's on first? He clearly loves. <laughs> he, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> you know, it's like, like crack. That's, that's you can't do it. Timeless once. comedy, Abbott and Costello. Uh-huh. Um, 
he he like he clearly loves him so much. Like we <laughs> loves who we know that. <laughs> but like he names his character after the lead singer of him. That's so good. <laughs> anyway, it's such a fucking nerdy. Shit, so you dude. find out he's he's bent out of shape over his girlfriend of two years, and it is up to you know his boys to. You know, help him get out of that slump and he's like, in a rut. get back in the playing field. But instead of that, they are he's just paying them to like get revenge in, in different ways. They like smear right. shit on her garage door right. and like other little yeah. hijinks. And then there's a side plot where Falcone, played by <laughs> D. Camillo, is uh entering a science fair <laughs> by building <laughs> yeah. a reverse microwave. That's the right? like C plot is That's the, the science C fair. Plot. Yeah, which gets just as much time as everything else, and uh-huh. then pivotal to the end of the movie. So that's what's going on. You know, she starts seeing this other like heavy metal guy and, you know, played by Raytheon, played by, by mustard hater Raytheon. Is he a mustard hater? Oh, yeah. There's an old jackass sketch where they, they dump mustard on him and he oh. flips out. Really? Yeah. Like it's that's like a, a phobia, I guess. Like he has an extreme phobia oh. of mustard. Really? Yeah, who knows where that hey, comes from. Hey, in Chicago, we got that for ketchup. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't go putting that on a dog here. <laughs> so, um, what do we, we want to go through the movie? So, my, my first question is, how old are they? See, yeah, that's that's the interesting thing about it is, I, I think that the answer to that question plays into the weird, like, liminal situation with regard to pre or post fame and what level of local notoriety, because what's, what's interesting to think about with this movie is at this point, uh, as was with the entire run of the jackass show, um, fame and fortune was not a sure thing that was never preordained for any of them from top to bottom, you know? So it was just long term. Like, like Bam's probably a millionaire by now, but you think term? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I guess definitely a million is a lot of money, but, I mean, you know, with the whole pro skate thing. And- he got paid over a million dollars just to do the first Jackass movie, which was a year after this. So okay. I got to imagine he was making good money doing the series. I guess that's true. Who knows? I bet good money. He's got a half pipe in his basement. Well, that that's the confusing <laughs> part, right? Because yeah. it's like, oh, there's a half pipe in his basement. But whose basement is it? Does he have yeah. the fucking Viva La Bam complex yet? <laughs> Does he fucking have? Um- no, none of that. Certainly not. It's certainly tenuous money. But I, I get the impression, I because I think when we watched it, um, we talked about this a little bit and it, and it feels like, um, you know, two or three or four years out out of high school. And, and I, I I don't know how much of that is complicated by just what Westchester, Pennsylvania. Cause they're about 28, 29, all of them real life in real life at this point, because like West, it's a college town. So it kind of feels like the, the town in gossip girl. But if every other person there was addicted to fentanyl, basically, (laughs) was kind of the vibe I got from it because right. there's like cutesy coffee shops and like, you know, very much um, a kind of indie culture of like flyering for the big rock show this weekend. And, mm-hmm. and you go to the record store, like there's a scene where one of the guys gets beat up in a record store and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- there is, there are, are so many elements of lingering adolescence that aren't just the dick and fart jokes, you know? Yes. But are the, you know, clearly this scene was shot in a house that doesn't belong to anybody who's 25. Right. You know? it, it doesn't fit the plot. It fits. This is my friend's mom's house. Right. These and are the know, resources made available to us. And like when I talk about the movie being a time capsule, very much like 
I say that on like half of that is informed like on, on a personal level. Like Westchester yeah. is very much like a town that I grew up in. And it seems to be like going through the same type of like development that like my town was going through at the same time. Like, you know, we talked about the unfinished basements and what like what that like image meant for me, like watching the movie. And like the movie Something interesting about this movie about dirtbags where you don't know what age they are taking place and the backdrop is like, you know, like these new development homes that popped up in the early 2000s that are usually yeah. like on the edge of small towns. You know, they're mm -hmm. like starting to encroach on farmland. It's it's the live, laugh, love homes is yeah, what it is. Kind you of prefab McMansion. Right. It's prefab stuff. You know, it's it's it looks nice. Right. It's there's a shiny veneer on it. But like. You know, the marble's fake. The wood floor is just, like, fake wood floor texture. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's a nice home, but, like, it's there's something a little bit off about it. You know, it's, something it's a little the bit sort off of home, People want a large home with a kitchen island and basement and, yes. like, fancy-looking cupboard handles. Yes, and that is everywhere in this movie. Like, yeah. it's all over in the interludes. You get wide shots of, like, dozens of these homes lined up in the streets and then you get them doing acid in a basement that looks like the same in every single one of these homes and then mm -hmm. you get them like you said like going through Glorin's house who might be uh, Glorin is the, the girl's name by the way which is Your a really name funny is Glorin? name Glorin yeah which okay. I guess is actually the real life girl's name also which Glorin, is that's unfortunate <laughs> and but it's like yeah like you said there's this is not the house of a 25 year old this is a house yeah. of like that 25 year old's like boomer parents, mm -hmm. you know, hideous. Right. Um, which, and you know, it's, it, they could have got a better fitting house. Like if they wanted to pick a perfect house setting for any of these characters, they could have done it at this point. Right. Shit. Tony Hawk's in the movie. He, at this point in 2003, he could snap his fingers and they build a fucking <laughs> right. house. Well, and I think they could shoot I the whole thing in fucking New Zealand. Like, he like didn't get paid. He was just like, I this I'm, I support this project. Like, fly yeah. me out. I'll do it. That's so funny. And he had to fly out twice because the negatives got fucked up the first time. Oh really? Yeah. Damn. And he was just like, yeah, sure, man. Cross country. What, yeah. what a guy. He plays a cop in the movie. We'll get there. But yeah, uh -huh. Tony Cop. Also, I'm realizing now. I think I said Gossip Girl earlier when I meant Gilmore Girls. Oh, okay. Um, two very different things. Uh, okay. But they're both girl shows. Right, they have girl insofar as they have girl in the title and are also four <laughs> girls. Okay, so um, not to derail entirely, but I'm not an idiot, so yeah. keep going. Add, add another tally mark on you talking about shows you haven't seen. I've seen <laughs> one of them. <laughs> one of them. No, my girlfriend watched Gilmore Girls, and then I had a roommate who watched Gossip Girl, and I. Which is which? We're gonna, let's go down this path. Which is which? I don't. My girlfriend watched Gilmore Girls. Right, which one is that? So that's that's the one where it has the girl from Bad Santa, you know, the love interest yes. that Billy Bob. Oh, love interest is a stretch. But the, <laughs> the girl with the Santa fetish the that girl Billy Bob Thornton sex. sucks. <laughs> which you're gonna have to wait till our Christmas episode to get to that. But um, I forget her name. Yeah. Uh, she's great. And then it's like so basically the the, the concept I, I can is see the DVD art. Yes, but exactly. I don't, I don't know much about the show. Is she? They live in Stars Hollow, I Connecticut. I think I was pretending like I didn't know the name of the town in, in Gilmore Girls earlier. Going to go mask off on that one. I do. I've seen a lot of this show. And again, it's because I have a girlfriend. So anybody else, fuck off. <laughs> Accuse me of shit. And the idea is she has wealthy parents. They live in this picturesque Connecticut like, like suburb. And 
um, her parents have a lot of money, but she is kind of a, a misfit because she had a child when she was very young and out of, out of wedlock or they got divorced or something. And so because she had a kid when she was 16, her daughter is now um, at, at a similar age when the show starts. Eventually she goes off to college, but she's in high school for the duration of the show. They're mom and daughter, but they're like friends. So they kind of pal around and they're the Gilmore girls. And mm. so it's just about their trials and tribulations. And it's the sort of sitcom that goes down like candy because everything always works out. And everybody like, you know, if it's a kind of show where one of the characters like wants to start an independent bakery and gets to do that. And yeah. everybody's dreams are always coming true and, and whatnot. Um, but it looks a lot like the town in Haggard, which I, I would but say, nobody like gets you stabbed in the eye is, is in a coffee idyllic, shop, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, I mean, cause you know, yeah. the, the Westchester it's, it's a college town in some capacity. I don't and remember the you name. You see school. a lot of it with all those interludes in the movie. Yeah. Um, time lapses and shit. And it is, you know, the plot of, of Haggard is, is kind of similar to Gilmore Girls. If you give me a moment, I'll <laughs> explain to you why. You see, I'm smiling. Because everything <laughs> figures it's like resolves itself because eventually um, Ryan Dunn and Valo both fuck some girl, not the same girl, but there's like a weird <laughs> mishmash, like sex montage. Right. It is. Well, let's, let's go through the movie. We'll I'm getting that. ahead of myself once again. And I, for that, I apologize. Yeah. But that's how the end of my Gilmore Girls description went with the the, the sex scene part in the movie we're talking about. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to Gossip Girl later. Yeah. Because I I think I know it. Anyways, um, there's a, a quote from Brandon DiCamillo who disappeared from Jackass after the first one because mm -hmm. he wanted nothing to do with it. Right. What a sucker. He I, I respect the hell out of it. Grab that gravy train <laughs> and, and ride it to the wind. He's. He makes a lot of comments sort of, I don't know, poking fun at, at like Hollywood and how he like clearly had some problems just like with working on the first movie. Right. Yeah. And there's a couple interviews where he's just sort of talking about that as well. But like he says something, I think, very telling about, you know, really all of the jackass adjacent people where he says, I'd rather break my arm than have to go deal with some asshole boss from Neiman Marcus, which is where I used to work. Mm -hmm. Honestly, so would I. Yeah. Like, these guys jumping off of, like, buildings and taking go-karts off of, like, ramps mm -hmm. instead of, like, working a job. Like, that really, I guess, you know, it's kind of harkens back to last, last episode, but is the essence of, like, what's appealing about it. Yeah. Like, it's liberating. If I could get paid to do I mean, that's... MTV literally had to say, stop sending us tapes yeah. of audition tapes for Jackass. Because, uh -huh. like, mo most people would rather do that than fucking flip if you burgers get that at ticket, McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Like, that'd be great. Oh, I jump off a building, like, a couple times a year for this show? Uh -huh. Cool. Um, But, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting that he, he plays such a huge role in Haggard, in CKY, and he starts to see you know, the Jackass franchise going in that more like corporate influence direction. And he instead just disappears, wants none of it and gets the world record in Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Good for him. V very good. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want Which, to speak on that a little more? Cause that was surprising when you told me about it. Um, yeah, not much to say. I mean, I, I guess I would be a little bit more critical than you would of, I guess people like selling out, which is how mm -hmm. I feel. I think a lot of, about a lot of the 
you know, jackass. Cast. You know, I would push back against what you just said if it wasn't true. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. will. I, you know, I'm not, you know, trying to string them up by a tree, but like, yeah, mm -hmm. it is. There is a reason why I think that that's, well, we talked a lot about it last episode, but like there's an inverse correlation between the enjoyment and rate relatability and the amount that they like sign contracts with Paramount. Yeah. You know? And I don't know. I feel that and I sense that and I think it comes out aesthetically. And I guess that would be like the big critique and like to see someone throw that away because they have, and I wouldn't even call like what DiCamillo is talking about is artistic integrity. It's more just like, I don't want to be around this. Like I don't like Hollywood. Yeah. No, and, I mean, there's certainly a, a <laughs> rational aversion to have. What's what's interesting too is like the the plan B then is the Neiman Marcus stuff that he's said I'd rather break my arm than go work at Neiman Marcus but now it's like I'd rather go work at Neiman Marcus than work in Hollywood. Yeah, and that's interesting. As far as I can tell, like no one, he's not really done like like anything mm -hmm. since then. You know, just live with his family and just you know. Well, because he was one of those guys who had like film, like media aspirations outside CKY stuff. I mean, and, and Haggard is an extension of that, but yeah, he's very involved in Haggard. You know, so it, it, he had other, it, it stands the reason he, he tried other stuff and maybe it did work. Maybe it didn't work. Maybe it would have worked. Maybe it wouldn't have worked, but then eventually had the, just the, the base rejection of the Hollywood um, grind set, I guess. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to respect that. Right. And you can tell like he of all people is having a blast. I mean, they're all having a blast making this like it's watching this movie you get the sense that it's the kind of movie that makes you feel like you could make movies with your friends yeah you know right and that speaks a lot to how much fun it's a mumble having. core it speaks a lot unfortunately yeah i think yeah. i think it is, <laughs> oh this right? counts yeah yeah um but what i think what separates it's, it's i'm glad you said that you know what, what really separates haggard from not just mumblecore, but I think any movies of rather most movies of like that era, certainly of the last 10 years is like there's zero sense of irony in it. Whereas yeah. I think any movie that has the like burnout loser, like let's, let's just say like, you know, any Judd Apatow movie, like uh -huh. Seth Rogen characters, like there's always this coolness added to being the like, it's a disarming burnout of loser, right? Burnoutness. Yeah. yeah. And there's a sort of like wink, wink from the actor that he's playing the burnout loser. Whereas this, it's like, these guys don't like know that they're losers. Yeah. Which is like, like makes them not losers. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, they're just, there's something so refreshing about watching a movie, just like devoid of any like irony or, or self-awareness. Yeah. Like aside from like those, like I said, those, those interludes and those sort of like, hyper moments of self-awareness where he's skating in his basement and mm -hmm. you know there's like half of a music video in the movie like it is like really stripped down and right just natural i you mean know? you you see what they think is cool and yeah. what they think is cool <laughs> sucks and is stupid it's like having a dirty t-shirt <laughs> right yeah or wearing a top hat around yeah. town <laughs> bam margera wears a fucking top bam margera hat. fashion icon <laughs> right. and and so yeah i mean i think what you said is absolutely true where like there is no uh, no tongue in cheek exit ramp for the choices they make. Yes, which is very noble, and I don't think it was a, a a deliberate creative choice necessarily. But there is something endearing about watching these guys like 
go to the naked Dave Arcade house <laughs> and think, oh, this is what they'd be doing if they weren't famous and getting paid to be doing this. Right. And well, that's, that's It's funny you say it. That's Bam's living room. <laughs> at, at the time, it was Bam's living room. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, okay, what is... A, a twelve-year-old in, well, in in Arkansas think is cool. <laughs> right. Oh, I can have as many arcade well, games in my it's a in my living example room. Example of like where those lines get murky. It's like, right. yeah, this is this is Bam's living room. So like, in both senses, it's earnest. It's like we're we're earnest with our present selves as yeah. you know, niche celebrities. You mm-hmm. know, MTV celebrities, and then earnest in that like. Hey, we're telling a, a a pretty honest, like self-effacing story about Brian Dunn's ex-girlfriend Glorin and how we snuck into her house. You know, right. um, you, you want to go through the movie? Sure, Is let's do it. So, yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot that'll come up here then as we go through it. So yeah, like like we were saying, the, the movie starts with uh, Ryan Dunn throwing like. Throwing his girlfriend's belongings outside of his apartment. Yeah. Or you think it's his apartment, but it, it turns out he's he's living with, with Don Vito, which doesn't really make sense. <laughs> which is yeah, also, but it's zany. It's it also adds to like not knowing how old they are. Like why Don is Vito's he, eating grapes? The why whole time? is he roommates with Don Vito? Or is that his dad? It's not really Yeah. It's not clear. But it also doesn't matter in this movie. So he's throwing stuff, he's throwing like, you know, he's throwing a TV out of the house, like just cool shit as it's cutting to um you know, the DP of the film, Joey France, just having a great time with his camera. They're doing a bunch of time lapse stuff of Westchester and just like experimenting with, you know, the cheap technology they have and trying to get creative. Like, I think they shot a lot of DV and 16 millimeter for it. And it's just it's doesn't always work, but it's always like like some of the time lapse stuff is just goofy. You know, the opening shot of the yeah. film is. Ryan Dunn laying next to a quarry of like a one hour time lapse. And it's, mm-hmm. just, it's, it's weird, but they're, it's ha- they're having a blast somebody enthusiastic it. about the, the seven day free trial for final. <laughs> Absolutely. Final cut six. Or whatever Absolutely. It was. And they're just running around Westchester shooting like trucks working on, you know, excavating for no reason. And then intercut with bam, <laughs> dude, you know, trucks. Yeah. Cool. Get that. And, so, <laughs> and then, so, Bam and Fal, or sorry, Vallow and Falcone are, are watching him freak out and throw stuff out. And the first line of the movie is, "Why does he freak out like such a faggot?" <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that's right. You know, you're in for a ride. You're like, all yeah. right, <laughs> this, this is great. It's very much of its time. It's not even a venomous faggot either. It's no, like it's a matter not. of fact. Like it's this just, is how casual we are with this language at this point. Right. This is this is like the friendliest way you can say that. Uh huh. Um. And you get some exposition. He tells him what what happened, and you know he's like, you know, she broke up with me. Yes, this is definitely the last time. Yada yada yada. And they go their separate ways. <laughs> Vallo and Falcone are supposed to be going to a coffee shop, but mm-hmm. Falcone gets distracted by a he sees a flyer, a flyer <laughs> for a, a invention invention contest. contest for like middle schoolers. Oh, yeah. And he's re- well, no, this is an independent, <laughs> independently financed. Um, invention fair. Right. Where him in a beard is also the judge of the convention. Yeah. <laughs> but he, more of that movie he, magic we he love. He suddenly remembers that he has a reverse microwave uh, invention mm-hmm. and decides to go home and work that. Oh, which side note about this. 
Did you have? Did you have to do an invention fair at all in in, in school? No, I never never really? had to do this. Yeah, but that's like in car- cartoons and TV and movies. They always have that. Yeah, in, school, in right? October Sky. Yeah, Vanilla Sky. Tom Future Cruise. Future episode right? on October Sky. Is that Tom Cruise? <laughs> Vanilla Sky. I, no, that's I, I haven't Sky. seen either. Vanilla <laughs> Sky's a movie though. Whatever. We do this too much. And so uh, in third grade, we had an invention <laughs> fair, and I had no idea what to do. And as a third grader, I remember I went home and I was like, dad, I don't know what kind of invention to do. And he said, you should do a microwave, but for cold stuff. And you're like a freezer. And I'm sitting there. <laughs> no, but it's rapid. Right. And I'm sitting there as a third grader. I'm like, that's a good idea. I don't know how to do that though. And he's right. like, yeah, well you got to invent it. And, um, it didn't work. What I actually did was I, I, I slacked off real hard and it, it sucked. It was one of the first, it, it was one of the first moments in my life that my parents were, I could tell disappointed in my academic performance as much as you can be because <laughs> you didn't build grader. a reverse microwave well no not only that but they i just was so lazy about it you yeah, know and it, yeah. I, it was one of the first times as a kid i could register that on their faces too when i got a c um not that i was like a you know straight a student you can't be a straight a student till in third grade you know no what is that you're not even doing fucking do they even do letter grades? tables yeah yeah i don't even know it, um Anyway, I we should go visit an elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bring our phones, take pictures. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what I ended up doing was a it was a, a a t-shirt that's a different t-shirt when it's inside out. Okay. So you don't seem you, impressed you, by that. <laughs> no, I'm not impressed. Well, by neither it, did they. By your third grade invention. Well, I, so I didn't did do well. Did, did you like paint the inside of the shirt? No. So I went to. I think you went to J.C. Penney and bought a shirt yeah, that was already reversible. I, I, might have been Walmart or something. Target maybe if they had those then at this point and um, bought two graphic tees, and then turned one inside out and then attached the other to it after I cut it up a little bit. How did you attach it? Clothespins, I think. <laughs> it was shitty. It was bad. G- glue stick. It was terrible. <laughs> and well, because I, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of the, the, the project trying to flesh out the vision of the reverse microwave and it didn't really take. So the wind was removed from my sails and I fell back on my backup, which was a t-shirt. That's also a t-shirt. If you turn it inside. <laughs> And it didn't do well. And it didn't do well. But all I'm didn't saying like is the, the, the reverse microwave is not a new idea. You had it first. I had it first. Yeah. Um, so he disappears. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile. I'll have to work on his invention while Bam continues to. While Bam continues to wear a top hat down the street and go to a coffee shop by himself. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Ryan calls his girlfriend, finds out that she's banging this heavy metal dude played by Raytheon called <laughs> called Hellboy. And when he finds out that she got fingered by him, he screams and starts running down the street. Yeah. Right. Which is great. And there's, you know, where the movie's like, the way it takes its inspiration from the CKY videos and from skate videos in general and applies that to narrative cinema uh-huh. works really well. And this is like, the first example of that in the movie where he's on the phone with her and she tells him like, he fingered me and he's like, he what? And she yells, Hellboy fucking fingered me. And he takes the phone and just screams into it. Uh But it's instead, the only volume you hear is the loud, like track of probably like Narkill or something. Right. Yeah. Of just this loud, heavy track of screaming. And then that just continues on to the running montage of just this like, sequence of him running fast like heavy metal music as he's just running right Mm -hmm. like it's really creative stuff that you 
you know, has a home in, you know, a CKY video from the 90s that you would buy in a skate shop, but applied to, you know, a low stakes movie. Right. And it's it's still funny and it still works. Um, and that's, I mean, it, the movie is peppered with examples of that. And um, that's like one of the most beautiful things of the, I think of this movie's like aesthetic approach is like it's amateurish. Yeah. Like a lot of it is amateurish and watching amateur movies sucks. Right. It's It can be very disorienting. It's usually not interesting. This is like amateurish in an interesting way. And there's another example where right after this, when he, he gets to the coffee shop and he yells at Bam and he's like, dude, she got fingered or whatever. And he ends up like mm-hmm. beating this other guy for thinking that he was taunting him because he was digging a five out of his wallet or whatever. Oh, yeah, and- that's right. He was, he was digging in his wallet <laughs> in, a, in a vaginal way. Yes. Of. And anyways, they end up stumbling outside, right? Mm-hmm. And they fall onto the ground and they end up getting back up and finishing their conversation. And where the amateur part comes in is where I think when they were filming... So the movie has these frequent examples of production mistakes being corrected in the editing room. Okay. And here's a very clear example. This is good smart film guy stuff. <laughs> Thank you. You're I I wanted to be a filmmaker at one point. Um they they fall into the street, right? Like he he pulls him off the guy after beating him up and he pulls him out of the coffee shop and they fall into the sidewalk. Pulls him up, slaps him. Dude, you got to get it together. Oh yeah, I remember that. But what they do and what I'm sure they Great didn't trope. realize was when the time it takes for them to get up off the ground, kind of move over on the sidewalk and talk, is just a lot of like dead movement. And so what they do in post is they just speed that up. Mm-hmm. So they fall on the ground and it speeds up to like three times speed until he gets slapped in the face. <laughs> right. And unless this movie wasn't already like breaking like aesthetic norms of just like a relationship comedy that that would be would like not be allowed. That would be very weird. But we literally just saw him run down the street to like a Narkill song that mm-hmm. you just accept that. And it's interesting the way you see that throughout the movie, like fixing, you know, I don't want to call them mistakes that were made while they were shooting, but like stuff that they were sitting down the edit and they were like, yeah, this is kind of weird. There's another one later where that's, there's a single shot where Bam's like going through Falcone's basement trying to find him. It's now they're just like shitty, unfinished basement. He's walking through rooms and it's just a long steady cam shot. And he goes out one room and the camera comes in and catches him coming in through another door. But it's a lot of just like dead air of the yeah. camera just being in an empty room. So again, they just speed it up. Mm-hmm. And it's dumb, but like it's, it works for the movie and it's interesting. And like that's, those kind of mistakes, I think, are what make Haggard very, very okay. interesting. Yeah. Is like the flaws like that and how they end up getting corrected by people who are not really filmmakers, you know. Their their experience in filmmaking is cutting together, throwing dummies off of bridges onto cars. Yeah, there's certainly running no formal from the education. And yeah, put, huh. putting that in skate shops. But anyway, so yeah, bam. You know, he he uh or sorry. Ryan Dunn gets stabbed in the eye. <laughs> Dunn gets stabbed in the by eye. By some girl he's trying to hit on. Yeah. It's funny because Which fellas. <laughs> haven't we all been there? Am I right? It's it's really funny the way it plays out too, because Bam is like, 
hey, go, go talk to her. He's like, she's she's in a coffee shop reading a book. She's clearly looking for yeah. ass. That's what they do when they want to get a hit on. They don't read, certainly not in public. And for advice, he's like, go ask her about her tattoo. <laughs> Touch it. Like, they love it. It's literally like the worst advice <laughs> possible. And he even does a thing, too, where he like grabs her arm to look at her tattoo, like uh-huh. this complete stranger. Anyways, gets stabbed in the eye, and he's wearing an eye patch for most of the rest of the movie, except for this scenes where he forgot to bring his eye patch uh-huh. and they just apparently they had reshot a bunch of the movie because so he just left his so, eye patch at home. Yeah, so there's no wardrobe people on this movie and there's uh-huh. no hair and makeup Damn. right so everyone's just bringing their own clothes and like bringing their own eye patches and he would just forget his <laughs> eye patch and nobody would notice because there oh, was wow. no like there's Not no script supervisor guy. there's no ad it's just like Okay, the dozen people on set, no one was like, oh, shit, his eye patch. It probably That's wasn't so until funny. they were cutting it together. They're like, oh, fuck. You know, you'd think it, it wouldn't be too hard to say to him, like, hey, all right, so in this scene, you get stabbed in the eye. Um, from now on, eye you patch. wear an eye patch. Yeah. Till the end of the movie. <laughs> I mean, unless it comes off. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's one point where he's like, oh, I only have a couple weeks left. Well, I think maybe that's why he's like wearing sunglasses like inside the nightclub. At the end. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, we, we booked the nightclub. Uh, we have a lot of extras here. You don't have your eye patch. How about you just wear sunglasses in this scene? Like that Bruce Lee movie where... Oh, Game Bruce of Death. Lee, yeah, where he got drunk and tweeted that he was drinking before he left the bar and then hit the... <laughs> the side of the road, drunk in his, yeah. in his <laughs> Lamborghini. Bruce Lee. Remember when he did that? to the side of the road at 140 miles per hour. Drunk, yeah, tweeted about it. Which, uh, speaking, of, speaking of that, do you remember when Roger Ebert tweeted about... Ryan Dunn dying. What he said? It was something. It was something <laughs> shitty about like. It was so shitty. That's why you don't drink and drive. He said, it said like friends don't let jackass friends don't let jackasses drive drunk. Like the day after it happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is also funny coming from the most notorious lush in the business. One Mister oh, Roger yeah. Ebert, dude. The first like forty five minutes of that Ebert documentary is him just like. Them just going to bars just he used to drink at. it in Old Town. And yeah. the old bartenders being like, yeah, he was fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and him like 400 pounds at the time. Oh, man. You could probably put him back. King. Um, <laughs> so the, the continuity so is off. The continuity is off. And you know what? It doesn't Who matter. Who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. Um, but I think it's at about this point where we get our first him music video. Which, by the way, does him stand for something? All I know is it's it's he is it's, me. It's, it's wait really? I don't fucking know. They're like from Finland or some shit. Yeah, and it's um, it's absolutely garbage. the worst music. And there are seven. His watched, Infernal Majesty. Today. That's what I'm looking up. What is it? His Infernal Majesty. Oh, that's worse than I thought. Yeah, it sucks. So I watched the movie again today. There are, are seven hymn songs in this movie. God, the movie's so like fucking lame. Ninety minutes long. <laughs> there's, there's seven hymn tracks in it. So in addition to the Bam self branding, he's really, really putting it out there for his boy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, fuck. So anyway, they they go. Ryan pays Bam and Falcone to go and, I guess, vandalize her house. Like that's his way of wooing her back. back. Yeah, which he doesn't really explain why he he doesn't go. He just like, hey, I'll give you each $100. Just go vandalize their house. And the way they vandalize the house is hilarious. Because you, you think vandalism, you think TP, you think spray paint. Mm-hmm. But 
it opens with Falcone shitting in the gas tank yeah. and then also pulling a bag of like three turds out of a Ziploc bag that they're going to put on the garage and then duct tape. Unwrap and tape. <laughs> Not even duct tape. It's like scotch tape. No, it's duct tape. Oh, is it duct tape? Well, yeah, I have seen the movie like... five times. So you're probably right. They're just duct taping over it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, here is like, I think where you start to see them as stuntmen sort of add to you know, the strengths of the movie. Yeah. You know, DiCamillo is supposed to get on the roof, I guess, to be a lookout Uh for whatever reason. (laughs) It doesn't really say. And he's climbing a bunch of trash cans and logs and he just, he wipes out and the logs fall on top of him. Uh Right. And then later, bam, you know, just does like a quick dive into a bush. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, there's these little moments of like them as, Stuntmen, yeah, yeah, amateur stuntmen. Willing I, don't, I don't think they got SAG cards like as, yeah. as stuntmen, but uh, they are, I suppose, by definition, stuntmen. I mean, if you can drive your car 140 miles per hour, they weren't in the union at this point, right? Yeah, this is definitely a non union movie, yeah. <laughs> no AD on set, you know. D- D- Blake breaking bottles behind the Wawa and getting arrested doesn't solve how hung up he is on his ex girlfriend, so. He he seems to think that if he has verifiable proof that Hellboy fucked his girlfriend, then that will that will do it. You mm-hmm. know. So again, he gets Falcone and Valo to break into her house with a camera <laughs> and, and film everything. Um, so they start filming her diary and going through her underwear drawer, and and this this location is one of the this is the, a confusing the, the houses you yeah, talk. That's I mean, definitely it, it is the house two story. Probably five, six bedroom. Yeah. Big family house. house out in like like you were saying, the outskirts of town where they're develop like a new development. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I guess, you know, early twenties, mid twenties, maybe she lives with her parents. That's more of an our, our generation thing, but mm-hmm. who knows? I mean, that, that, that's always been a thing in <laughs> some right. way. For losers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm unemployed. I mean, she's I, the only one in the movie with a job. <laughs> that's true. Fucking yeah. hairdresser. She's cutting hair. Um. Anyways, the Hellboy and Glorin come home while they're there. <laughs> it's really funny how they they like foreshadow the tension where <laughs> Glorin is at a bonfire with Hellboy, and they're cutting back and forth between that and them going through the house. And at one point, Hellboy's like, "Do you want to go back to your place and fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> so like, then he just you know that they're coming and they're gonna come home while they're going through her diary and shit. And so they go hide in the closet when they hear them coming and they go straight to fucking. And she says something that is very interesting and that they respond to in a very like, what the fuck did she say? Where she says, while she's getting pounded from behind, I think in the ass, they say, (laughs) is she says, teenagers were meant to fuck. (laughs) Really? And they both look at each other like, what did she say? (laughs) That's interesting. Yes. Gross and weird. (laughs) Very gross and weird. It's kind of odd. Thinking about who decided to have her say that. Right. Well, three people wrote it. So, you you know, plausible deniability. But <laughs> yeah, for there each you of go. Them. <laughs> Plenty of that to go around. But they noticed the camera that was left behind and stop. And, you know, when they realize it's only a matter of minutes before they start searching the room. Bam. And Falcone grabbed the camera and just, you know, do a classic jump out the window. They jump out the window. Onto the ground. And another, you know, mm-hmm. stunt. And... They end up getting away, but not without Falcone taking a pounding. Yeah. And 
But prior to her going and getting pounded, she goes out on a little date with Ryan Dunn, who's trying to patch things up. And he thinks uh-huh. he does, right? She, he is convinced that she's open to them dating again. Yeah, he lays it on thick. He puts on his formal eye patch. And he, yes. they go out to a nice Italian dinner or something. Right. And what's interesting is they bike back to her place. Oh, I yeah. I don't know if that gives you any more insight into what age they are. Because this could very easily... Honestly, they could be 18. That's true. Yeah, I guess they so. certainly don't look like it, but no one, no movies where people look like they're in, where they're in high school, like they're in high school. No, right? I mean, they, as a Friday, Ryan Dunn could have been in Euphoria in this movie. <laughs> right. probably as, a, as a Friday Night Lights fan, <laughs> I, I can tell you, they're like 40 year olds <laughs> playing kids in that movie. Um, or that show, rather. Never seen the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's everyone's psyched about having a car and they, him and his date ride bikes. Yeah. Back to their house. Mm-hmm. Very curious. Um, so anyways, then the next day when they kind of regroup, he thinks everything's fine and they're getting back together. And they're like, okay, well watch this tape of your girlfriend getting fucked in the ass by this <laughs> heavy metal dude. And you know, they then hatch a plan to get him to get Hellboy beat up essentially by doing a prank call at the record bin, the local record store. Mm-hmm. Pretending that they are Hellboy, saying they hate Narkill, so that when Hellboy walks in, he gets the shit kicked out of him by this big Narkill Australian <laughs> record store fan. Mm-hmm. Which that guy, I don't know who he is. I think he's some like Australian DJ. You know, he's he's got a blue link on his name in the Wikipedia page. Uh huh. This gives you no new information. Oh, it's not purple. So I haven't clicked it. Okay. I mean, you know, but apparently he's a guy. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Let me have a look. Let me go click. I'll, I'll keep I'll talking about one of the funniest gags is when cactus at the record bin. Yes. I'm not going to click yet. So you can do your gag. So the I'm considering it <laughs> to set up the character, this guy, <laughs> this kid walks in and tries to sell this CD. Right. And this guy, he's pretty jacked. He's got a, a muscle tee on and he's he's wearing a headband. And this kid walks in. and He's like, hey, do you buy the Would you buy this CD? And like immediately he's like, we don't buy this fucking puff to shit and puts it in his <laughs> mouth, bites it. And just like the CD explodes. Right. <laughs> like it just explodes. Like, Get the fuck out of here. I did the whole world a favor. <laughs> and that's it. And then like as the kid runs out, he pulls out a pen and like practices a little like fucking martial arts. And that's your introduction to whoever this guy is. You have to page up. Who yeah. So he's Jason Ellis. He is a radio show host from Australia. And the program he was the host of was called The Jason Ellis Show. Uh, Former professional skateboarder, mixed martial artist, auto racer, boxer, and singer. These guys, man. (laughs) That's that's a resume. Professional fun havers. Isn't that nice? How nice. Um, Ellis is the host of the podcast Hawk vs. Wolf with Tony Hawk. That's pretty good. Okay. Never heard of that. That's a good deal. I wonder. I saw... He was in the Jason movie Triple Ellis X. At, at some point has got to be in the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games. I would imagine. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean I mean if you got a podcast with Tony Hawk and you you weren't didn't have a character in the Pro Skater games, that's uh that's cold. Yeah, I mean I don't remember him. I was really only into two. That's the only well, one. Yeah, I you had. really only had I only had two. two. I only had the option to be in two. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz uh we we were not allowed a new console after getting a, a PS1. What do you mean you weren't allowed a new console? I had strict parents who didn't want us, you know, video games. Oh, you mean an a, a alternate console? 
like a no, like a new generate the next generation. Like oh, I, really? I skipped the entire next generation of That's consoles until I could afford to buy my own Xbox 360. Damn. I guess they thought that would mean I would play less video games in the long run, but I have two VR headsets I mean, what now. What it did so. was <laughs> make you just create it would create a burning urgent sense of 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 loathness. Loathing. Yes. Not loathness. Loathness. Loathness isn't a word. You you don't like you wanna, you wanna very take that much. one again? <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Um what it did instead. What it did instead was make you not like them, your parents. Yes. So way to go, mom and dad. Yes. And now I, I can play all the video games I want. <laughs> and I'm unemployed. <laughs> Eat it. And I have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um Anyway, so yeah, to, to round out just the end of the movie here. So yeah, Hellboy chases them down. And, you know, I mentioned earlier the creative choices that director Bam makes that, you know, really probably spend a little too much time on the uh, the side character of, you know, who should be the protagonist, who is Ryan Dunn. And that is when Hellboy, so they split up. All three of them run out, and they're like, okay, let's split up. You can't chase all of us. Yeah. And for some reason, Hellboy chases Bam. Right. Who, you think he would go after the the boyfriend of the girl he's, or the ex-boyfriend of the girl he's stooping. Uh-huh. As one, I would assume that's the guy who put it together. And two, I don't know who this Valo guy is. Why am well, I chasing him? Well, he's got the top hat on, so you want to go kill, <laughs> pick his ass. Um, and they, there's a really funny thing where Bam gets on a, a cell phone as he's running away, calls Brandon Novak and says, I need a, I need a skateboard stat. And they just, <laughs> a guy runs a skateboard out and just like shoots it down the street at perfect timing as Bam's rounding a corner. I thought that was a fun little bit. Like, it's pretty sick. Where yeah. there's like, they have like a skateboard Harvey Keitel from fucking Pulp Fiction. Yes. It's, it's sweet. And it turns into a chase scene where he's on a skateboard and Rake is on a bike. And they, he, it's funny that he's doing like, he's doing the Tony Hawk pro skater thing where like, if you do tricks, you go faster, you know, like you, you, get, you get your special up. Like, yeah, it's true. He's doing a he's combo. He's getting chased by this guy and he's doing kickflips. Right. <laughs> like, if you wipe you out, you're stunt dead. on him. You know, pretty pretty high stakes poker you're playing, but that's good. Yeah. But you know, then you realize, okay, he's trying to get his special up so he can, he can go faster. Um, that's a little Easter egg. You know, I didn't really get that until my third watch. Like, oh, that's, that's why he's doing it. Um, so anyways, in that escape, Ryan Dunn is, is, is hit by a taxi mm -hmm. and gets in the back and there's a, a babe in the back and they end up hitting it off and whatever. Oh, that's right. It's funny. So Brandon D. Camillo is playing the taxi driver, right? And Oh, sure. But he's just got like a beard, fake beard. He's got a fake beard and he's just doing a funny voice. Uh -huh. And it's funny. Ryan says to him, like... So it's it's a taxi, but it's just like a black car with a taxi on it. And I think uh, there's a line that they just insert to like compensate for the fact that they couldn't get a taxi for the movie mm -hmm. where he says, who the hell drives a black taxi? But then, <laughs> but then his response is like, what else would I drive? A gay van? <laughs> <laughs> a gay van. <laughs> well, that's a way uh, to solve that, I guess. <laughs> right. That's See, that's the creative way. You know, I mean this very sincerely. Like, who knows if that's why they did it? But that is like one of the many creative ways that this movie like gets around having a low budget. Yeah. Okay, we can't get a taxi. All right. Well, we'll add a little line here about him not driving a gay van. I mean, that solves the problem. It solves the problem on paper. You know. You know, and it's way funnier than just having a taxi. 
Right, that is. So, <laughs> gay man's a very funny phrase. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, yeah, it seems like you know, one third of the group is happy. Ryan Dunn has met this this girl, and he's over his ex girlfriend. And then next up, Falcone wins a uh, he his invention wins. He wins the invention contest because yeah. it is him up against only two other inventions. Uh, one of which is like. It doesn't make a whole lot of none of the inventions make sense, but the one it puts you put garbage in a garbage can and you push a button and like liquid like juice comes out. It's the garbage juicer. The yeah. garbage it's juicer. disgusting. It looks gross. Right. It looks like cum. <laughs> and the other one's like a big fleshlight, but like the flesh is like pastrami. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. That's and it, what's funny, so Brandon D. Camille is also playing the the so he's not a judge, actually. He's uh, the announcer. Mm-hmm. And Which, wow, nepotism much. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Unfair. But I didn't, it didn't hit me. Like, that, that's his invention. I didn't catch that the first time I was watching it. Like, the, the sex machine is his invention, and he mm. just made it to the finals. But anyways, of course, those two inventions are stupid. Not that a <laughs> flashlight is a stupid invention. I've gone through about half a dozen yeah, at whoa, this whoa, point whoa, in my whoa, life. Yeah. But his flashlight is not cool. Mm-hmm. It's... It's gross. It's, I'm not putting my it's dick made in of meat. pastrami. It's, yeah. made, it's made of meat. And that's good for one use. There's pudding for the back door, too. Oh, that's, that's right. right. Oh, God. <laughs> you can go right in. You don't even have to knock. <laughs> <laughs> He's really, like, clearly having a blast playing uh-huh. this announcer character. But anyways, yeah, reverse microwave wins. And the uh, prize is a, a bike with... Uh, diamonds glued onto it. Oh yeah, that's right. The diamond bike. <laughs> the diamond bike. Which who would want that? And it's a kid's bike. Which yeah, also you know, and maybe another hint that they're supposed to be teenagers. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so everyone, a band meets a girl at the talent show, and you know, there's a there's a big party where Narkill's playing, and. Bam and Dunn go home, and there's like a three minute sex scene of the two of them. You know, having sex with these girls and it's being intercut. It goes on for another really long song, time. No like less. Two, three minutes does not sound like a long time. Mm-hmm. It is long to watch. It's very awkward. Yeah. These two men like have an intimate sex scene. Like it's it's very like the room esque. Which like yeah, like I trying to put myself in the position of a guy that age, which I guess is our our age now. You know, late twenties. Right. Yeah. Um, you get to do. You, you have money to create a movie where you do whatever you want. And obviously I'm going to make myself do cool stuff, but like, uh-huh. I don't really think an extended sex scene to a hymn song would be my pick. <laughs> well, it's on. sort of like, sorry, go ahead. Uh, mm, Not to it depends a hymn on song. who I'm having sex with in the movie, I guess. Right. You'd probably pick a different song too. Um, be funny if the filmmaker had a, a, a hot indie starlet blow him in a movie. Oh man, that would be wild. Imagine if that happened. Yeah. Imagine if a movie, yeah, where there's nothing else really happens other than driving, mm-hmm. but you convince, yeah, your younger girlfriend to be like, hey, this would be really artistic and, and cool and make a good movie. Yeah. If you blew me and it definitely wouldn't end my career. Exactly. That would be a wild Be movie. on the lookout, folks, for <laughs> our Brown Bunny uh, exposition where we finally solve the age old question of prosthetic or not. Yes. 
<laughs> to say prosthetic or not. Yeah. No, it's, it's an open question. It is an he open He holds question. his dick in such a weird way. You have to wonder. <laughs> He's, he does hold it in a strange way. It's mm-hmm. funny. Like, I... Okay, this is, we might have to cut this, but I... 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 I I tried that after we watched the movie. <laughs> 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 tried know, what? Can okay, your dick okay, suck okay, like that? Okay, so we watched the brown body, right? Together. Uh, you had never seen it. And you mentioned, tricky. like, why is he holding his dick in such a weird way? Uh-huh. And I'm like, that is weird. That's definitely, you know, not how I've You're ever, limiting like, your enjoyment. And by that, I mean, like, girl mouth contact to dick skin is yeah. being limited when you hold your dick like that. Right. Or I was just like, let's let's just see <laughs> what he's doing. Hey, babe, I got a wacky idea. This is a trick that I don't know. And um uh, how'd it go? I, I don't know why he does it. Okay, well you gotta tell us how the, I I don't know the dick blowjob was. Well, let's just, let's just say I did I did a little bit more. You know, I, I, I put my own pizzazz on it. <laughs> yeah. I put my own auteur spin <laughs> on it. And I liked what I did. Um, I didn't just like fucking cup the balls and the bottom cup of the your shaft. Own balls and, and base of shaft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to assume like, oh man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, man. Like where this I, is going. I, I like this part. We're, we're bound to go here at some point. I, you know, you fuck you weird. Would it's think, a big part of your you life. You would think that, like, if if someone like can't go that deep, then yeah, okay, fine. You you hold your dick like right. That. That's just being sense. polite by not making them, you know, right. insecure about their absence of deep throat. Right. Then you just you hold that, and the, then it makes sense, right? Right. Actually, I bought this thing once. So I was like seeing this girl one time who didn't like. She had like just off. She's the one. No, no neck game. To she, speak she's of. the one who threw up. I think I told you that. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, but there is, I bought this thing like for her. It's like, it's so it's a, it's a sheath. So it's basically a fleshlight, but it goes, it's, it's short and it goes all the way through. So I could wear that at the end. Oh, like, kind of like a grapefruit. Right. <laughs> Just like a grapefruit, right? Yeah. I can give you, <laughs> I can give you a review of what that was like. Also. <laughs> oh, um, Tanner's sex corner. I love but, it. <laughs> this is bound to come up eventually, uh-huh. but even that thing was just like, I mean, it just felt like more like a cock ring that didn't go around your balls. So. Yeah, like it's not actively pleasing you, really. No, it's just kind of sitting there meaningful and way. just making them not feel bad for, you know, having, having gag reflexes. Having absolutely no neck. Like I do, you know. Uh-huh. I've, 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 I've tried it on a, on a dildo, and I, I, let me tell you, I'm no throat goat either. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of like... You got to practice. You know... Pleasuring yourself in interesting ways. <laughs> it is really funny the way that Ryan Dunn, like, he jacks off to his own asshole in the movie. I beg your pardon? I don't remember that. Yeah, so, like, he he's, like, really depressed, and Falcone tells him that he should go jack off to his own ass, like, try jacking off to his own ass, uh-huh. like, if he can't get off. And so he, he gets up on the sink. Oh, that's right. He's standing on the he's sink. He's standing on the sink, and he's like, doesn't he like slip and hit his head? He hits or his pass head, and, and Don, Don Vito walks in, and oh, which God. that's a funny gag. Yeah, so we we talked about enough about the movie, but is there's the making of has a lot of interesting stuff. But in that it. doesn't work though. Like it, a, Ryan Dunn is a hairy ass at that point in his life. There's no way he can trick himself into thinking that he's looking at a girl's butt. That's what's mirror. so funny about it. And the best part is like he's looking 
underneath his legs. Oh, right. Like, you could just as well stand and, like, look over your shoulder uh-huh. at your ass. <laughs> but he's, like, he's, like, bent all the way over. And, like, seeing his ball sack, presumably. But that was a funny thing in the, the making of documentary is what, you know, because Don Vito walks in on him after he's hit his head. Yeah. And knocked out. What they did to get a natural reaction from him is they had him walk in and, and Dunn just fingering his asshole. Oh, <laughs> oh that's so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would recommend that people go and check that out. I mean, if you're into, like, the jackass first, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure anyone listening to this probably is. Like, there's... That stuff is ripe, and yeah, if you've listened you know, to us describe the movie <laughs> for right. an hour, then you're probably gonna want to go watch it, right? And the behind the scenes stuff almost always sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Like even like I told you how I watched the extras for Jackass 2.5, and it's just like if you weren't already like felt like really removed from them, and just like you know, just felt like just a, a spectator like that will really give you that feeling. You know, you got them sitting like in their high director's chairs in front of the fucking Paramount Arch. Yeah, right. Doing interviews, talking about where did this idea come from? You know, mm-hmm. just doing doing EPK on set where you can see all like the fucking grip trucks and everything. You can see them like prepping a stunt you saw in the movie and them just doing like, you know, fluff interviews. Yeah. And it's like that stuff, that's that stuff always sucks. I So I've done a couple of those like throughout my job. And I always volunteer to do it. No one ever wants to do it, but they always need a prop guy to be there. Mm-hmm. And I always volunteer because it is like, it is the most depressing shit. Not right. for me. I get to observe it. Of course. Right? And I get to, I, I don't really know why. Like You get to meet <coughs> Maria Menudos or whatever. <laughs> right. Like press day, I always lose. So we do press day once a year on the show I was on where you would have dozens of reporters come in. Right? Mm-hmm. And... From all over, from all over the the world, by the way, like you would have reporters coming from fucking Ukraine and Finland to come and like do a not a for spot. long, right? <laughs> not, not for long, and you know they would have so there's uh, PR people within the studio who are then setting up how that's going to go, and I'm there as a prop person facilitating my role in that, and. Some of the actors are like really, really into it, right? Like it's not hard for them to just turn that on. Other ones, it makes them miserable. Can't do it. Yeah. You know, other ones like who have been maybe either doing have been acting longer or have just really soured on the idea of acting. Like maybe it doesn't have the artistic integrity that they thought they did. They ended up on an NBC show. Sure. You know. Right. And I remember there was one that like I will never forget. There was this actor. Um, I, I probably Colin Donnell. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's been in, he's been in good stuff. He's been in Arrow. He was on. This was Chicago Med that I was working on, and he, he was a really cool guy. Yeah, right? I liked him a lot, and he was like the hot doctor on the show, and which you know, is no was, tall, no small order. No, like he probably would have been. A lot of hot docs on that. Right. He probably would have been like the bigger gets for people who are there doing their um, you know, press day stuff. And I remember there was a table set up with all the props and we're behind that just helping them get whatever they need. And the reporters on the other side. And I remember standing behind him and hearing him do like, you know, 
interview performance, right? Like it's not him. It's he's he's more playing his character on the show than he is him in real life. Yeah. And I remember seeing him like turn around. You know, there's no cameras or reporters on the other side. He turns around and you can see him just like reset. Like he just fucking needs a break. It's just like a big sigh, like closes Real, his like eyes. He's just that drained by it. He closes but. his eyes, turns back around, and he's just boom. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> like, so well, that's the, that's what makes a professional. To I have guess. that, like you see that in like the jackass EPK stuff, you know. Yeah. And but you don't. I mean, the, this the making of documentary of Haggard is really interesting. Yeah. You know, it's. I mean, it makes. Go ahead. It's it's not them, you know, setting up a backdrop and lighting it and feeding questions. It's them setting up a camera, a wide lens camera in their car while they drive around and talk about the movie. And yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. And at the end, like, it takes a weird shift where all of a sudden they get into like Bam's mom's role as like a therapist for their friends and how like yeah. Brandon Novak's a heroin addict and is like relapsing while they're filming this, like. There's a like an intervention scene between Ryan Dunn and Brandon Novak where they're just in the garage alone together and the camera's static. I don't know who's filming it or if someone just put it on a shelf and he's confronting him about like, dude, you're clearly back on heroin. Yeah. Right. And everything up to this point, the first 30 minutes of the documentary, is just like fun Haggard stuff. Uh-huh. Right. Wow. And part of the documentary is him going to get a tattoo on his you know, midriff that says no more heroin. <laughs> and then here he is like. Getting busted for relapsing because Bam or Ryan's like, I saw you like walk into the woods. Like, well, the what tattoo were you doing? Added a comma, so I said, No, more heroin. Watch The Simpsons that day, and it's just it gets sad, and it just it ends on that note pretty mm-hmm. much, you know. Or Ryan catches him in the lie, and he just like shoves him into the wall and walks away. You know? Really, and there's like a little bit more commentary on you know Novak's heroin, you know, problems, and that's. That, that just that's just part of the making of that like it's Jesus. really raw shit it's uh-huh. them like you get to see them really get excited you know i mentioned earlier how it's the kind of movie that makes you like probably inspires a lot of people to like oh man i would like to to make movies and stuff but also like it's so like no frills and low stakes that you're like yeah this would be really fun to do mm-hmm. in a very different world well, of course you know <laughs> that's no top hats either. Right. <laughs> no top hats. Yeah, um, I mean it 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 reminded me of what we'd talked about on the last episode with the jackass guys being just sort of gradually uh, more uh, uh, like taking on more of a producer role in, in the whole sort of thing and and how the people in the TV show um were writers, right? And came up with ideas and pitches and you know, some of them weren't were, were like like Preston was a writer before he was ever a performer, right? Like he kind of got roped into doing the whole thing, and um, how the the California contingent of Knoxville and company um, was was more suited to that than the the Westchester ones who were 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 brought on board later in the game or in the production game. Um, and I, I think that's sort of evidenced by what you just talked about and, and with, with Brandon DiCamillo, like rejecting all of it outright and just choosing not to engage. And um, <laughs> Ryan Dunn dying and Bam was just falling into a, a, like psychosis, basically. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I think that is part of what makes Haggard a charming film um, is because, yeah, it's, they, they don't do the, the Hollywood bullshit in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and perhaps would come to in, in, in the years following 2003. I mean, certainly, you know, Bam had a pretty good run as a celebrity in, in the oh, MTV yeah. universe, of course. Uh, a lot of time passed between he got his a, downfall. A, a show for his wedding. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they were going to do another season, but I guess they it was going to be about Bam's like kid with his wife. And I guess they didn't want to do that. Um, she probably left him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good question. I don't know. But uh, yeah, shit's crazy. Yeah. So we're an hour 15. Do you want to, do you want to talk about K2 and Spice? <laughs> <laughs> so we had K2 and, and bath salts and everything. Did you call it? So Spice seems to be the broader. Was, was K2 a brand? Or yeah. We so called K2, all of it K2. So, so Spice was the name for the weed um, substitutes. The shit that you would. But they smoke. sold as incense, but, but you they could would get they high sold as shit incense, on. But yeah, just go fucking interplanetary when you did it. <laughs> and that wasn't really my thing. I was, I was not a huge weed guy. I mean, I was a huge weed guy for freshman and sophomore year of high school. And then I got busted, and because I went to a Catholic school, they threatened to like hair test me every like periodically until I graduated. And if Damn. I, I ever told you the story, I didn't know. Oh wow. Well, so I was um. Went going to this Catholic school and you weren't allowed to have your phone at any point. Um, it had to be often in your locker, even during lunch or passing periods or whatever. And obviously I was a known uh, rapscallion and miscreant <laughs> and skirted all sorts of rules and was texting some girl as I was walking back to my locker after lunch. And um, one of the teachers just swooped in and snagged it. And the, Strategy then was to try and take the battery out of your phone before they sh- they could take it, but right, this um, is pre lock. Yeah, this is pre like this is pre smartphone. Yeah, and um, basically, um, I, I I think I just got a phone case or something, but nothing doing. And when they see you try to do that, they get extra pissed, and so they're even more vindictive. And so I had just finished sending some text about like smoking weed with this girl after school <laughs> or whatever. So I was like, fuck, that's going to be the first thing that pops up. I'm screwed. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it was, um, it, it, they, they read through my text and I, I remember distinctly damn, dude. sitting in the office of the Dean. Um, and I, he was like, all right, well, we, it, do you want to explain yourself? And I had my, this whole spiel I talked about, like, you know, like I have good grades and I'm on the newspaper and da, 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 and just was lying outright. And to his credit, the Dean, he sat there and he looked at me and he was like, uh-huh, sure. Okay. Like he listened. And then he was like, all right, well, here's the deal. We're going to drug test you. So if you're lying, tell me now. Uh, Cause otherwise it's going to be a hell of a lot worse. And I was just like, fuck. Okay. So I owned up to it. And he said, uh, randomly until you graduate, we're going to test you, your hair for THC and other drugs. God, that is wild. I didn't know, I know. they could do right. that. <laughs> right. Well, here's the thing. They never did. Oh. And so it wasn't until I think I was a few months out of graduation and, and that's when I finally decided, fuck it. And so I took a, a heroic bong hit, one that <laughs> I did not really, was not really serviceable <laughs> to my tolerance two years after the fact. And just like, I think I vomited. Like it was terrible. Yeah. And I just didn't like weed anymore for a long time uh-huh. until many years later when you and I moved into that you, spot. You found it for a little bit and then you rejected it. We again. had a brief dalliance and <laughs> there were two ships passing in the night. Right. But, uh, so I never did any of the K2 shit. I knew people who did. Yeah. I knew this one guy who was like a, a nurse and got drug tested 
often for work. So he just uh-huh. was addicted to K2 basically. And I was kind of sad, <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. but we had before bath salts, we had plant food. And right. I'm sure I've told you about plant food. Absolutely. You have. This was like, it was ripped off in the drone. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, if you've, if you've heard that, don't look into that. At all. Um, but basically what happened was uh, at one point, somebody found this like little vinyl package called plant man brand plant food. Uh-huh. And it had a, like a, a little shop of horrors esque um, Venus flytrap a like clip art with sunglasses on it. And it had these, it, each little package came with these two capsules that had like, like <laughs> uneven, um, fucking I'm getting tired. I'm not snappy with my words. Had uneven distributions of the shitty grainy white powder that if an enterprising individual decided they wanted to, you could buy from the gas station on main street in Kansas city. And, just fucking blow lines of and just go fucking nuts. And it was awesome. It was so fucking clean. And there wasn't like a come down or like, like when you do Coke or I'm told and (laughs) like it fucking ruled and, and just people, everybody in the punk scene in Kansas city was like addicted to it for like six months because (laughs) you just go buy it whenever you wanted. And it was just the fucking most badass fucking stimulant. Like ever. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. And I remember like, I think they, it was, it came over from China and eventually they banned it, uh, which at the time if that sort of thing was banned in manufacturing in China then kind of saying something. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, and it so the well kind of dried up, <laughs> like what there were one of the gas stations we'd buy it at the attendant was like always really nice and happy to see it. And then you were like, Hey, do you sell plant food? And he was like, Nah, man, get the fuck out of here asking for that shit. We don't sell that shit no more. So it was heavy. Um, Did someone die or something? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. I mean, that's usually how that stuff works, right? Like, yeah. The regulation fails to inter- intervene. So what, what would you compare it to in terms of other drugs that you've heard it about? It was like the most clean, uncut cocaine slash like oh, okay. Adderall slash methamphetamine, frankly. Gotcha. Um which I guess that's another story for another podcast, but <laughs> God damn. Yeah. And I remember every, every few that's years, that's another story for this podcast in the future. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. This podcast, I guess every few years we would, many people can hear the rain, Google it. It's raining folks. Uh, it's raining outside and would try and find it. It was called methadrone. So like not methadone, but meth, like M E P H A D R O N E. And that sounds so fake. And maybe it is. And maybe it was all just a waking dream. Maybe it never even happened, but it sounds awesome. God damn. Yeah. Would I, would I just blow lines of that in my car <laughs> after school and before sometimes? Um, that's great. Uh huh. So I spice spice hit us probably around the same time, high school, early high school. Yeah. And so I had very strict parents. Right. Mm. And I would get tested, you know, whenever my parents got suspicious. So I basically yeah. only smoked K2. Right. And, you know, I know a lot of people who like that fucked them up Mm -hmm. like big time. Tucker has a friend. My little brother has a friend. Like he's never the same after it, like really fucked him up. Yeah. I mean, that shit, it, it, it's no joke, you know, which I feel kind of similarly about Selvia. Like, I feel like that really set my life on a different path. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like, it was probably the first time after doing Selby was the first time I ever thought I should kill myself. Oh God. Yeah. And 
you know, haven't stopped thinking that since. But, <laughs> oh, God. but anyways, K2, I was, I was very, like, for some reason, like, I could, I had a tolerance for it. For me, it was just like, I, it was the same as weed, mm-hmm. right? And the only difference being if my parents drug tested me, I wouldn't test positive. Yeah. And so around this time, I got, I was working at the local ABC news affiliate news station. Mm-hmm. And I had started to form a close relationship with one of the reporters there. Right. <laughs> right. And this guy, he was probably late twenties. Right. And he was pretty flamboyant and just kind of like fun and easy to be around. Right. For a workplace that is a lot of careerists outside of the like studio control room. He was like very accessible. Right. And we started like hanging out and stuff. Like we would invite him to like when we would like drink on the weekends and stuff. Yeah. Um, that eventually turned into him texting me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And those texts became less, hey, what are you doing? Do you want to hang out? And more, you up? hey, do you want to, like, fuck this prostitute with me? <laughs> <laughs> no shit. You never told me this. Are you serious? Are you kidding Dude, me? Here's the thing. I forget about this all the time. It is so fucked up. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that you know, <laughs> this, this guy was 10 years ago. It's, this, that's this great. Guy, I can, I'm allowed to say that's great. Right. In a town that I grew up in, too, that guy's a celebrity. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. And, you know, another thing about that, I was 16 and 17 at the time that I knew him uh-huh. when these texts were going on. Wow. Right? Good like, thing you're not anymore so we can laugh about it. Fucking ended his career. Jesus Christ. Right. Now I'm his age and not doing that. <laughs> yeah, luckily. At all, yeah. to be clear. <laughs> the only thing similar about me and him is that I am his age. Uh-huh. And a fun guy to be around who loves the party. <laughs> right. Um, but anyways, he knew because of the times that we would party together, he knew that I liked to smoke K2. Yeah. And because this was the news station and there was not a lot going on in the town I grew up in, there was a lot of stories on K2. Right. Right. And there was a lot of stories, but there was not a lot of B-roll. Oh, I like where this is going. <laughs> so- he texted me one day while I was at school. Young film fan Tanner <laughs> gets his first taste of movie magic. Not quite. Okay. He did not ask me for B-roll. He said, do you want to meet up oh. and you can smoke on camera and we'll like shoot. We won't shoot your face, obviously. <laughs> so just him and one of the photographers met me at the Frolf course, which is where like a lot of people used to do for people who aren't from uh, Minnesota. That stands for Frisbee golf, <laughs> Frisbee golf. Yes. Disc golf. Yeah. And that, the, the, the disc golf course in Woodlawn was the place where like people would like go and smoke. I mean, it's a huge area and you can see cops coming from any angle, you know, any angles. So, like yeah. if you're smoking pot and you it's see perfect. a cop, you can just drop an anywhere, open field was know? always the best way to do it. Yeah. Right. And there's trees everywhere and you're not near anyone. And like it's, it was perfect. Right. So we met near there and it was funny to like, to like add to the mise-en-scene, I borrowed my little brother's uh, drug rug. He had, <laughs> he, he had like a Rastafarian drug rug. Uh-huh. And so I put that on so you can see the sleeves while I'm That's so like, great. and I'm just fucking packing the K2. And I, the, the footage is still there in the archives. No at shit. ABC. I, I should show it to you, man. It is so That's funny. Great. And I'm just there smoking K2 so that they can have 15 seconds of B-roll. And I have no idea how he explained 
you know, to the executives there where that footage came from. I'll I'm tell sure you how he we explain to. it. He said, hey, look, I'm trying to groom this kid. <laughs> Basically, what I need is something to blackmail him with if he refuses to go along with it. Yes. And they probably said, hell yeah, I guess. Hell yeah. We're all about that here at uh -huh. ABC. Right. <laughs> Unless they want to sponsor this show, then we, we take that back. <laughs> Podcast sponsored by a news network. <laughs> by ABC. Listen, I will name names if you don't have yeah. money. Always be cooming. <laughs>